So, a teenage son approached his dad about getting his own car. Yeah? And he said to his father, you know, Dad, I think it's time I had my own vehicle. And the dad replied, you know, son, uh, cars are a lot of responsibility. And so I want you to prove to me that you can be responsible. And in order to do that, I've got three things that you need to do. Number one, get your grades up. Number two, I'd really like to see you reading the Bible more. And number three, son, your hair is getting way too long. It needs to get cut. Well, several months went by, and the son comes back to his dad and says, Well, you know what, Dad? I have done what you have asked. I got my grades up. I'm reading the Bible even on a daily basis. And the father says, Yeah, I can see. Your grades are doing well. I'm proud of you. And I'm so glad that you're taking seriously God's Word. But, son, aren't you forgetting something? The boy smiled at his father and said, You know, Dad, as I've been thinking about it, and, you know, I've been reading the Bible every day, and I've been reading a lot about Jesus. And, you know, there's nowhere in the Bible that ever talks about Jesus having a haircut. Matter of fact, most people think he had long hair. So why do I have to cut mine? Well, the dad didn't miss a beat. He quickly shot back, you know, well, I recall from my Bible reading that, uh, yeah, Jesus may have had long hair, but you know what? He walked everywhere he went. My friends, I want to challenge you this morning. I want to challenge you to think about this. I want you to think about what is the difference between religion and Christianity? What's the difference between being religious and being a Christian? I mean, if I asked you what Christianity is, what would you say to me? Would you be like the Father in our opening story today? Would you have like a list of do's? You know, cut your hair, read the Bible, go to church, do good, pray. Or maybe you'd have like a whole list of don'ts, all the things you're not supposed to do. Kind of like the Ten Commandments. Don't lie, don't steal, don't kill. And so that kind of begs the question, is that what Christianity is? Is it a bunch of rules, a bunch of do's and a bunch of don'ts? Now, my friends, I want to let you in on something that is very important. Christianity is not defined by what you do. Christianity is defined by what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. I mean, that's what John 3.16 is all about. 
The reformer and the great scholar Martin Luther called John 3.16 the gospel in miniature. And I know you know it by heart. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but should have life eternal. Christianity is believing in Christ and what Christ has done for us. There's no list of rules that have to be followed. Now, just in contrast here, all of the other religions of the world speak of what you have to do personally in order to transcend and to reach and to connect with God, to connect with the divine. One religion says you have to lose yourself to a collective reality, and only then you can achieve enlightenment and experience God. Some religions claim that there are prescribed beliefs. There are rites and rituals that you have to perform, and that that will bring you into the very presence of God. But again, Christianity is not about what you do. Christianity is about what God has already done for you. Christianity has nothing to do with transcendence. Christianity is all about understanding that God has condescended. God has come to us. God wants to be known. God wants to be personal. And so God came to us in Jesus Christ. God came to us. We don't have to go to God. God's right here. There's just an acceptance and a living in that love and a living in that grace. So, if that's Christianity then what's religion? You know, there's a, an old book that was written by a pastor. His name was Fritz Reidenauer. And Pastor Reidenauer says this. He says, Christianity is God's perfect love and grace reaching down to us. And then he said, religion is humanity's attempt to reach up towards God. So, Christianity is perfect. That's God reaching. Religion is imperfect. Why is it imperfect? Because it's you and me reaching. Religion is imperfect but it's also necessary it's also an opportunity for us to move closer to God to be intentional about our faith to do something with our faith now I tell you all this because it has a direct bearing on the scripture lesson that we have read here today here in Matthew's Gospel, we find the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees are trying to do what? They're trying to trip up Jesus. And that's not the first time they've done it, and it won't be the last. They want to catch him. 
and kind of get him condemned in his own words. And so they asked Jesus, okay, what's the greatest commandment? In other words, okay, Jesus, out of the Ten Commandments, pick one. I mean, they're kind of, I'm sure they're like rubbing their hands in glee going, oh, we are going to nail him now. He's going to pick one and we're going to be like, well, what about the other nine? Are they not important? But you know what? Jesus doesn't even pick a commandment, does he? No, he actually goes to a whole different part of the uh, Hebrew Scriptures. He picks this thing called the Shema. And what's the Shema? Shema in Hebrew means to hear. And it's actually something that's very near and dear to the Hebrew faith. I mean, before every Jewish service, the Shema gets said. And it comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. And it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And then Jesus says, This is the first and the greatest commandment. But wait, there's a second commandment that's equal to this one. Love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, isn't it amazing that really Jesus doesn't just pick, he didn't pick one of the Ten Commandments. And what he does, he actually picks all ten. That's really what he does. Because let's think about the Ten Commandments. The first four, right? No other gods before me. No graven images. Don't use the Lord's name in vain and keep the Sabbath holy. These four are all about our relationship with God. And then the six that come after it, honor your father and mother, shall not kill, shall not commit adultery, shall not steal, shall not bear false witness, shall not covet. These commandments all have to do with our relationship with other people. And verse, verse 40 of our text today basically says, On these two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. Today's passage of Scripture is a great reminder that first and foremost, God loves us. God loves us unconditionally. And that is Christianity. And we have an opportunity to love God back. And guess what? That is religion. Sharing God and our love for God and how that love touches our lives and encourages us in that love, in our religion, to touch others. You know, I don't know if you realize this, but really in today's text, we actually get kind of a hierarchy of how we're supposed to look at love. And it's kind of a natural flow of how things ought to go. And if I were to ask you, okay, what's the first thing when it comes about love? Who, who's supposed to love first? And, and, you know, everybody gets this one right. Even, I, I'm so blessed. Every Wednesday, right here, I teach chapel to our day school. And we have a, a lesson, and, and they're so eager 
they want to learn to hang on every word I say and uh, and gosh if I ask a question I mean their hands shoot up and they all want to answer it now the nice thing is all the questions I seem to ask always end in God or Jesus or something like that so they kind of I've uh, conditioned them well but when I ask them who do you love first they all say you got to love God love God and, and you know this too I mean my three and four year olds know this and I know that you know this that's that's the very first form it's understanding that all love comes from what source all love comes from God so that's where we're primarily directed in our relationship with that love with God and there's a reason for it now after you have a love of God what's supposed to come out of that this is where people get kind of mixed up because people will say oh we're well, supposed to love others you know I'm like, well, I don't know if that's what the scripture says love others as you love yourself so stay with me we love God and we have a healthy love of God. And from that healthy love, what happens? God loves us in such a way that we find our purpose, we find our meaning, and we find our self-worth. And so if we get our worth from the love that God has from us, we don't have to go to other people and say and do things so that they can love us and they can say wonderful things about us because it doesn't matter because what's important is my love of God and the other thing it does is it keeps me from using other people as an extension of loving myself does that make sense and you know this is something that I do I have to confess this there are times that I may have had a bad day. There are times that I don't feel my own worth. There's times that I have some self-doubt. There's times that I don't really feel love. At times like that, I might actually go to my wife and say something like, Oh, honey, I love you. And why would I say that? Well, I really do love her, but I'm saying it at that moment because I want to hear her say back, And I love you too. And that 90% of the time happens right but my point being is that I've just used my wife as a tool to give me self love and yeah it kind of feels good but you know I'm going to have to keep doing it again and again and again I mean really I should be able to say sweetheart I love you and it doesn't matter if she says that back or not because I get my worth from a higher love, from the love of God. And that's the same that's true when we help other people. We don't help other people so that they can say thank you to us. We don't help other people so that they can somehow feel indebted to us. We help other people because we love God and we want to share that love. We want to just give it away because it's not about us. It's all about God. 
And so we really need this healthy self-love, this non-egotistical love that can truly give ourselves for others. That really is the only way that we can be altruistic in the world, that we can truly love and not expect anything back because we have a God who loves us just that way. And that's so important. To love God with all of our heart and our mind and our strength. Now, as I'm sitting here kind of confessing my shortcomings to you, I'm not done yet, so there's another one. Um, My wife, you know, uh, I I guess you say, I, I like getting recognition for the things that I do, right? It feels good. And I'll be honest, you know, my pride gets in the way so many times. And my wife does tell me that I have a gift. And it's not a spiritual gift, okay? And here's my gift. This is what she tells me. I can turn any conversation that we are having into a conversation about me. I don't know if anybody else has that ability, but I I can do it really well. So, I guess it was just a couple of Sundays ago now, I had preached a pretty amazing sermon. I mean, there's just no doubt. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised the walls are still standing. I mean, it was, it was awesome. And, uh, and so I'm feeling really good about myself. You know, everybody said good things as we walked out. You know, got best sermon ever. That's amazing. Blah, blah, blah. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, and so I'm riding home in the car with my wife. And, you know, I'm just smiling, just thinking about that day. And so I finally looked at her and I said, Honey, how many great preachers do you think preached on this day? She didn't miss a beat. She looked at me and she said, Probably one less than you think. Realize it or not, but that's, that's really a kind of love, right? That kind of like, hey, I'm going to say this so we can keep you grounded. But my friends, I really want you to hear that the message today is understanding that Christianity is perfect, that our religion is imperfect. But you know what? Just because our religion is imperfect does not mean we shouldn't use it does not mean we shouldn't reach up towards God. Because when we reach up towards God, we're always going to find God. God may not be exactly where we think God's going to be, but you know what? God's going to be there in our lives. God's going to show us something. God's going to enrich us. God's going to help us. Because we've got to use our faith. We've got to put our faith into practice. That's how you continue to develop faith. That's how you grow your faith. You're only going to become a better disciple if you live into that faith and you love. You love God. You love yourself. And you love others. That's it. That's the plan. That's what we've been called to do. An example of this. True story. Many years ago there was a family. A family that was really looking for an experience that would make them, they were about, there were six of them, mom and dad, four kids. And they were older at this point. Many of them were in college and some had just graduated. And so there's six of them. And uh, 
they lived here in San Antonio and they wanted something that would really help them feel like a family to feel the love and the togetherness that they were kind of searching for and uh, they did some things together matter of fact they decided well we, we need a family vacation we need to do something that we can make memories on and so they planned a safari to Africa together and it was great but it didn't bring them that closeness that they were searching for the next Christmas they all got the same type of sporty car but all in different colors and guess what they didn't feel closer to each other they even decided well you know what maybe what we need to do is we're going to buy a second home in Colorado and we're going to spend some time there hiking and then in the wintertime skiing and maybe that'll work and you know they it just didn't pan out the way they had hoped or planned and then they heard in church that they were needing volunteers to serve homeless folk on Thanksgiving and they said hey we'll do that they thought this will be a great way to to get out and to do something but they did not think that what was going to happen from that was that they were going to be brought closer together it was going to be that which they were truly looking for isn't that interesting now I share this to you because at one point I was their pastor and they were so excited when they came up to me and said we've been searching for this all this time and who knew it was right in front of us all we really had to do in order to feel God's love God's presence and the love for each other was to come together and truly give ourselves sacrificially and we didn't even care we were too tired when we got home to even fix our own Thanksgiving meal but none of us cared because we were all just felt so good about what we had accomplished on that day and we felt so close to each other and it was amazing how God brought us together my friends you kind of see here how Christianity with God reaching down and religion with us reaching up really do mix really become a blessing for us an opportunity to grow our hearts and to grow our faith to grow our love we are Christians because of what Christ has done for us and in our love for Christ we practice our imperfect religion and we put our faith into action because we know that it's going to be a blessing for us that we're going to learn that we're going to grow love the Lord your God with all your heart mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.